Well, good morning and welcome to the Bitterrookie Baptist Church weekly sermon. It's great to have you with us. And this morning we're going to be looking at the theme of preparation and how we can use this time that we've got at the moment to be preparing ourselves for service to God. But before we look into that, let's prepare ourselves for what he's going to say to us this morning through his word by joining together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together this morning, whether we're, whether we're watching it on, on the Sunday morning live or whether we're watching it later in the week. Father, thank you that you have blessed us with the time to do this. Thank you, Lord, for the technology that you've blessed us with, for the, the ability we have, the, the skills that we have within our church to, to make these services possible, to make these sermons possible, so, to allow us to join in worship and prayer together, even though we cannot join physically. So, Father, thank you for your word and bless us this morning, we pray, as we, as we go through the scriptures that we're going to be looking at and as we think of the ways in which we can be using the time that you've given us to prepare ourselves to serve you. So, Father, bless us, we pray. Fill our hearts once again with your Holy Spirit. Fill our homes with your Spirit, Lord. Be with us with your presence in such a way that, that, that we know there is a tangible sense of you joining with us. And Father, may we, may we feel better about ourselves and about the world when we turn this recording off at the end. May we feel better about things than we did, perhaps, when we woke up this morning. Because Lord, we know that you are a God who reassures us that never will you leave us, never will you forsake us. You are always with us. Whatever challenges we face this week, whatever challenges lie ahead of us next week, you're in it with us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you that right now you are with us too. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning I thought that we would, we would consider how we can prepare ourselves for serving God. Now, it's not something we talk about very often, the, the idea of, of preparation. We, kind of, we can sometimes feel that when we become... Christians, when we take that first step into faith, that's the point where we should have all the answers. That's the point at which if someone says, why? We should be able to give some sort of comprehensive explanation of, of why it is that we've come to faith. Many of us can't do that. Many of us live in fear of being asked the question. And so it's important that we are constantly preparing ourselves. Because if we're prepared for those questions, then we can go out into the world relaxed and excited and looking for the opportunities to be asked those questions, to give the answers that we've prepared. If there's one thing that we can't help but notice about the character of Jesus, it's that he was a happy person. Jesus was a person who had a deep joy within him. When we come across people like that in life, they tend to have a magnetism. There's something very attractive about someone who conducts themselves with, with, with such joy. They're relaxed in what they say. They have answers for the questions that they're asked. It's no surprise that within weeks of his ministry starting, Jesus was attracting huge crowds to come and listen to him. Because people saw in him something attractive 
something they wanted to have a part of themselves, something they wanted to experience. One of the passages of scripture which perhaps demonstrates this this feeling of being relaxed and confident and and full of a deep-seated joy comes out in the advice that he gives in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? So Jesus is saying, don't don't spend your time worrying about things. Do not let yourself be consumed by, by anxiety and fear, but instead look around you. You can imagine him standing out in the open and just, just looking around him and, and, and picking these examples, seeing, seeing flowers growing at the roadside and saying, look at them, they're so delicate, they're so perfect, they're so beautifully put together. And yet no one spent ages designing and creating and, and, and building that. They've just grown. Because God created them. And look at the birds of the air. They don't care about what they look like or where their next meal's coming from. They just fly around. These things just gracefully glide through the air and and they find food when they're hungry. Because God has provided for them. And if God provides for them... Don't you think more, you're even more valuable to God than they are? Don't you think that you, created in God's image, are more valuable than the flowers at the roadside or the birds in the air? And so don't worry. God will provide. Now, that's a very easy message to read. But when we start thinking about it, we can think, well, hang on a second. Does that mean that I, I don't need to worry about what, what I'm going to eat or or um, I don't need to, to, to worry about the clothing I wear? Should I just go around in rags and, and eat scraps? Can I just ignore the shopping for a week? Hey, that'd be a good idea. That'd be wonderful because God will bring a trolley load of supplies around. Well, no. No, it doesn't quite work like that. You see, it's all about preparation. God has prepared us to go out into the world and share the good news of the gospel. God's given us the potential to do that. But we lack confidence a lot of the time. You could say we lack faith, but it's not it's not lacking faith in God. It's lacking faith in ourselves. Now, when I used to do a lot of mountaineering. The most important thing was the preparation In the months leading up to an expedition, you'd get maps and compasses, you'd plan your route, you'd study the area, you'd make sure you knew where where dangerous terrain was, where, where cliff edges were, where water sources were. 
you'd go shopping and buy the food that you would need. Not too much because you'd have to carry it, but, but enough so that you would have enough calories to be able to get through each day. You'd make sure you had the right footwear, the right shelter, the right sleeping kit. You'd make sure you had enough fuel for your stove. But on top of all that, you'd always carry emergency rations, a first aid kit, an emergency survival bag, a whistle, maybe even a pocket flare. Just so that if you found yourself in dire straits, you could survive. And so when I used to go out into the mountains, I didn't go out worrying about what might happen, worrying about the challenges that I might encounter. But instead, I went out looking forward to them. Sometimes I used to go out almost hoping that there'd be a, a terrible storm or, or, or that I'd get lost because then there'd be a challenge of how to survive. I had so much faith in my preparation that I could go with confidence to face whatever situations awaited me. I remember someone once said to me, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And if you go out into the world with that sort of, that sort of philosophy, then you can have that, that confidence, that deep-seated joy that Jesus shows through his, through his, throughout his ministry. That deep-seated joy that comes with a confidence of knowing that I'm prepared. At this time, um, we've just gone into tier two and there are certain restrictions that have been reintroduced. And, and I'm very sad to say that cases of coronavirus in, in the local area are still increasing. And who knows, we might, we might end up in tier three. We might have another national lockdown. We just don't know. And I know a lot of people are really struggling with that uncertainty. They're battling through it. A lot of people aren't particularly joyful at the moment. But we can use this time to prepare. We can use this time to make sure that we are filling our spiritual rucksack with all the survival kit that we're going to need to face whatever storms lie ahead of us. If we jump forward to Matthew chapter 12, we see in verse 34, Jesus encouraging his listeners to prepare themselves. Prepare themselves so that they're ready to be challenged. They're ready with answers about their faith. They're ready to give a good account of why they follow the one that they follow. But there's also a warning that comes. If we're not prepared, if we come out with foolish statements and empty remarks, if we come out with falsehoods, there's a price to pay. We should always be mindful of what comes out of our mouths. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what our heart is feeling, it comes out of our mouth. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted 
and by your words you will be condemned. That's quite a stark warning, isn't it? It's a bit like at the moment when we when we watch coverage of the American election and we see the two candidates going around the country giving these big speeches and interviews and town halls and things like that. And they're asked these questions and they have to come back with answers. And sometimes I'm amazed that they seem to have such a range of knowledge. They can be asked questions on any subject at any time. But of course... History shows us time and time again that often promises that are made on campaign trails to try and secure votes aren't worth the breath that carries them. They're lies. People don't follow through on on what they've said they'll do. They say what people want to hear just so that they can get voted in and and then four years later someone picks up a manifesto and says, remember this. Look at all these things that were promised. Well, less than half of them have been achieved. We cannot follow the example set by fellow men. Instead, we have to set the example set by Jesus. We have to follow the example set by Jesus. I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. Because, of course, truth is what the world yearns for. People are desperate for truth. No one likes being lied to. No one likes being missold something. The very first item that Paul lists in in Ephesians chapter 6, when he starts talking about the the armour of God, the spiritual armour that we need to, to put on, He's he's looking at a Roman soldier and he's seeing all the the armour and the weaponry that a Roman soldier wears. And Paul says we need to be like that when we go out into the world. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready for combat. And the very first item that he lists in that. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. The belt of truth. The truth that the belt was what went round the middle of the tunic. Yeah, it helped them look smart, but it also things could be fixed onto the belt. You could hang different things on the belt of truth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first was challenged with giving a testimony, I struggled. Because I'd heard, I'd heard some amazing testimonies from people who'd um, had, had dreams and they'd woken up in the morning so convicted by, by the dream. It stuck with them and it, it was so powerful that it changed their lives. I never had that. I thought, oh, perhaps I need to eat more cheese. I'd love to have that. Other people had hit rock bottom. They'd gone through a horrible experience, really tough times, and it got to the point where they thought, I'm done with life. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to, I want to, just, I want to find a way out. And at that moment, they'd had an encounter with God. And through what they'd heard or seen or felt or witnessed, they, they climbed up out of the mire, recovered, and lived a fulfilled life. And I thought, wow! What a great testimony. I wish I had that. But you see, 
my belt of truth, my testimony, is that I came to faith through a, a long process of, of talking to people, of listening, of reading, of, of reasoning, of exploring different things. There's nothing exciting about my testimony. Eventually, I got to the point where I thought, right, well, I've, I, kind of, I kind of get it now. I think this is for me. And so I took the step and got baptised and went on from there. I recognised the need to repent in my life and I, I, I started afresh with God. And it was the best decision I ever made. But telling that story isn't very exciting. It's not going to win any Oscars. But that's my belt of truth. And if I try and spruce it up, if I try and introduce a dream or a vision or make out that I was hitting rock bottom, then that's no longer a belt of truth. That becomes a falsehood. And although people might hear it and think, wow, that's amazing. Eventually, eventually I'll be tripped up. The day will come when I'll be called to account for all the false words that I've uttered. And it's so, for that reason, it is so important that we each prepare our belt of truth and wear it with pride, not with shame, not thinking, oh, I wish I had so-and-so's testimony because it's so exciting. Mine's rubbish. No, it's not. No, it's not because God doesn't give us rubbish testimonies. God sets our story up for us and encourages us to live it. And so we should never be ashamed. We should never feel in some way insecure about the story that we have lived. Every story adds to the overall narrative of creation through to salvation. When we go out into the world, we, we are the closest thing that most people experience of Jesus Christ. When you go out into the world, you take Jesus to the people you meet. That's an awesome responsibility. That's a terrifying responsibility, to be honest. But people listen to what we say. People watch the way that we behave. We must be so careful to conduct ourselves in a way that reflects that deep-seated joy of Jesus, that has that, that, that positive magnetism that people thought, I want to know what it is that, that, that allows him to live life the way that he does. I want to have that confidence that he seems to have. And of course, we know that Jesus's confidence came from the closest relationship with the heavenly father. And if we have that same relationship, then we won't be afraid to speak about our testimony. We won't be afraid to to speak out about about moral issues or faith issues in the world. But we must remember that as well as, as well as allowing us to make a huge difference, a positive difference to people's lives, our words can also cause tremendous damage to the kingdom of God. Indeed, James writes in chapter 3, James chapter 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, this tiny metal tube that goes into the mouth of a horse with the, with the straps going up when the rider pulls one way the whole animal turns or take ships as an example although they're so large and they're driven by strong winds they're steered 
by a very small rudder. You ever see a ship in a shipyard in a dry dock and you see that actually the rudder is tiny in comparison with the ship, but that's what steers it. In the same way, if we allow ourselves to be overtaken by anger or, or lust or temptation of any sort, if we allow that to cloud our judgment, to take over our heart, then what comes out of our mouth can damage the kingdom of God. And so we need to go out into the world prepared, prepared to speak truth. Yes, but prepared to speak the truth of God, prepared to react in a way that honours God, prepared to overcome the temptation that is thrown our way to try and steer us away from the path of following and honouring the God that we wish to serve. It's all about the preparation. If we spend our time thinking about our testimony, if we spend our time now during, um, if if there is another lockdown or if there isn't, if you happen to be at home at the moment, self-isolating, or even if you're manically busy at work, there is always time to reflect on God. Maybe if if you are self-isolating, ask yourself, what area of my faith have I never really explored? Have I never really had to explore? Maybe, Maybe you ask yourself, well, What do I know about black theology? Black Lives Matters is all over the place at the moment. And there's a a huge drive to make sure that we we eradicate as much as we can racism within our society. What does the Bible say about that? We might know what we think the Bible says, but have we ever actually looked into it in any depth? Or maybe hunger... There's a a whole range of subjects that often we don't really think deeply about unless we're faced with a specific situation. And by then it's too late because we haven't prepared ourselves. We should be preparing ourselves all the time. There is never an end to preparation so that when we go out into the world, we can go with that Christ-like confidence that says, I've done as much preparation as I possibly can. I may not know what's ahead of me. I may not know the situations and challenges that lay before me, but I know, I know that I've used the time that God's given me to make sure that I've got that belt of truth wrapped around me and that in the, the metaphorical rucksack of faith that I'm carrying out onto this, into this journey. I've got a survival kit that I can unpack and use whenever I need to. And it will help me because I've prepared. When we look at the book of Acts... Acts chapter 2, we see the, the, the passage where Peter addresses the crowd after Pen, on the day of Pentecost when the flames have come above the heads of the disciples and they've gone out and they've been talking different languages and people have said, they're drunk. And Peter says, we're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning. And he then gets up and he, he gives this fantastic sermon, which is so powerful and so, so spiritual that on the back of that, 3,000 people are baptised. Wow. Wow. Most of the sermons I preach, I might get a a thank you very much afterwards, but I've never had 3,000 people respond in such a way that they want to make a life-changing decision on the back of it. How did that happen? Well, to answer that question, we have to go back to Acts chapter 1. 
And what Jesus says in verse eight, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Right. OK, just a small job then, thinks Peter sitting there. They've been told not to leave Jerusalem. Jesus has been quite clear on that. Do not leave Jerusalem. You know, I'm upbraiding you. You're in tier three now, lads. Do not leave Jerusalem because you've got a job. Something's going to happen. You will be my witnesses. And a few weeks later, we see the day of Pentecost. But what's happened in between? What's happened while the disciples have been locked down, unable to leave Jerusalem? Wondering what's going to happen, knowing they've been charged with this responsibility of, of being the witnesses to Jesus in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What are they doing in that time? They're preparing. To be a witness means if a, if a judge calls a witness in a, in a legal case, the witness has to, has to give an account of what they've seen. And it has to be as complete and accurate an account as possible. And so Peter has essentially been preparing his witness statement. He's been thinking back over, over all the things that have happened, all the things that he's seen, the miraculous, the resurrection, everything that's happened as he's been following Jesus. And then the ascension and, and the, the feeling of isolation, having been left behind. And so by the time that he stands up in front of this crowd on the day of Pentecost. He's prepared. He didn't know he was going to be in this situation. He didn't know this challenge was going to throw itself his way. But he sees the challenge and he thinks, here's an opportunity. I'm prepared for this. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to turn my head the other way and pretend it's not going on and put my fingers in my ears and, and leave it for someone else to deal with. I'm going to take this opportunity because I'm prepared. Because I've thought back and I've thought over what has happened and I've made sense of it and I understand it and I want to share that with these people because that is what Jesus has called me to do. Now, of course, Peter was blessed with the power of the Holy Spirit. But we all have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But we need to have the confidence to use it like Peter did. In the same way, at the start of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 16, we get a, an explanation of... Um, of why it is that Peter is doing what he does, why he's, why he's writing this letter. He reminds his readers, he says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him saying from the majestic glory, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves 
heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So again, we see Peter assuring people this isn't just some stupid story. This isn't some fairy tale. This isn't something to help children get to sleep at night. This is truth. This is truth. And I've witnessed this firsthand. This has had a direct impact on my life. I know what I can testify to. And so I'm telling you because I know this to be my truth. And then he points to scripture. We have the word of the prophets made more certain and you will all do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. In other words, look, I've looked at the scriptures. I've had this personal experience that I can promise you I know I've lived through. But I've also looked at the scriptures and you can do that too. Go and read them for yourself. Go and look at the, the prophecies that were made about Jesus. Then look at the life that Jesus led and keep on doing that until suddenly, bang, the darkness clears and the morning star rises and you get it. And you have that moment of clarity and you say, hallelujah, it's Jesus. And then Peter looks at the world around him. He says, no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So, so he looks around and he, he says, look, I know there are people speaking against this. I know there are people that will say that it is just children's stories, that it is just a complete fallacy, that this is an antiquity that is irrelevant to the reality of the world around us. But, but I implore you to put the work in, to find out for yourself. In the same way, we should implore those around us. We should be prepared and willing to give our testimony. And then we should also be prepared to say, look, there's only a certain amount of this work that I can do for you. Eventually, I implore you to look into this yourself, to find out about it yourself. And of course, it's difficult to start those conversations, but sometimes we, we've got to be creative. I read a story this week about a man who, who worked in an office and he'd actually written a little booklet about the Christian faith. And um, one day he, he, he took a, a hundred or so of these booklets into his workplace and he put one on everyone's desk before they got in in the morning. And later on that morning, he had a phone call from his HR department, his human resources department. And he was called before the HR director and they said, look, there is no way you should have done this. This is completely against company policy. You had no right to do this. And he was dragged over the coals for it and he apologised. But he came out of that meeting with a smile on his face. Because his plan had never been just to give the books out. His plan had been to receive the telling off that he'd received and then go back around every desk in that company saying, excuse me, I left a book on your desk this morning. I really shouldn't have done that. Sorry. Can I have it back? 
And he ended up having conversation after conversation after conversation because people were saying, oh, I, I haven't read it yet. I know, but I'm not really supposed to, but I want it. Well, I'm afraid... I, if you if you if you ask me for a copy, I'll give you a copy. But um, I've got to collect them back in. But why? Why are they making a big deal out of it? Well, it's my faith, you see. And bang, straight away, he had the conversation. He used an opportunity. He was creative in 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 fabricating that opportunity. Just leaving a book on someone's desk, they might read it, but nine out of ten times they'll just sling it in the bin. It's like when you get junk mail through your letterbox. But in asking for it back, that's where he'd created the opportunity. Suddenly they said, I don't want to give it back to you. I don't, I don't, I haven't read it yet. Are you going to read it? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, look, let me tell you what's in it. And he began to give his own testimony because he had prepared for that exact situation. Of course, if we expect people to listen to our testimony... We need to be prepared to listen to theirs. At the moment, there are so many people who are just desperate to talk. There are so many people who feel that, that we're all in this together, that we're all united. And of course we are. There are so many people who just want someone to listen to them. And so one of the things that, that we can do as, as, as Christians, rather than moaning about the fact that we can't come into church and meet physically, which is a massive shame, and I, I'm, I'm just so fed up with not being able to do that, I miss that. But at the same time, I love the fact that pretty much everybody I meet at the moment, we have common ground with. Everybody I meet, I can start off by talking about blooming coronavirus. Because everyone's fed up with it. There's a common ground. It's like a Christmas cracker joke. They're, they're written to be so bad that when they're told, everybody around the table goes, oh, it unites people in their, in their, their, their disgust at the joke. The coronavirus is no joke. But it does give us an opportunity to get conversations going, to talk to people, getting out in our communities, talking to dog walkers, to shoppers, to to people in the street, anywhere that we might see them, there are opportunities to start conversations and to say, do you know what? Without my church, without my faith, without my God, I don't know what I'd do. And then wait for the question to come or wait for the statement to come, wait for the rejection to come, whatever it might be. If we want people to listen to us, we need to be prepared to listen to them. And just to finish up with this morning, I want to read something else from 1 Peter. The reminder that comes in chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. That's the charge that we've been given. A royal priesthood. The priesthood of all believers. Every single one of us is a priest in the kingdom of God. Now that's a massive responsibility. We are charged in the same way that Peter was in Acts chapter 1. In the same way that all the disciples were. You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
We've got to be prepared to do that. But we've also got to be prepared to fail. Let me take you back to where we started this morning. Look at the birds of the air, says Jesus. Now, those birds go around. They eat the berries, they eat the seeds, they eat the corn. A lot of that stuff they can't digest. And so they go flying away and they do their droppings. And they seem to target my car most of the time, but I'm told that they go elsewhere as well. But when you see, when you actually, without meaning to be too disgusting, when you see the bird dropping, you can see the seeds in it. Now, do you know that a bird flies for miles? Some, some birds fly for thousands of miles. They carry these seeds and then they do their droppings and thousands of miles from the plant that bore the seed, the seed is dropped. And it's in a pile of mess and the bird flies away. I don't know about you, but I've been in many situations where I've been challenged on my faith and I've tried to give an answer and I've been caught a bit unprepared. And I've walked away thinking, I've just, that's an absolute mess what I've just done. I'm gutted because I've completely failed to take that opportunity. I've just left this, this massive mess. Would you know what? Just like the seeds can be planted through the mess of the birds. The seeds of faith can be planted by our mess as well, because our God can use our mess to do amazing things. God has no limitations. So don't go out into the world with fear. Don't go out feeling underprepared. Use this time to prepare yourself, to deepen your faith, to draw closer to the one whose message you want to share. But also have faith in yourself. Have faith in your ability to go out into the world, knowing that God has provided the answers that you can give to the people who ask the questions. Knowing that God has faith in you. Before we close in prayer today, I just want to say that if there's anybody watching these sermons week after week, or maybe this is the first time, who doesn't yet know Jesus as their personal saviour, then please get in touch with us. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith, if you'd like to come to have a faith of your own, then, then please go onto our website. You'll find an, address, an email address on there. You can write into the church. The email will come to me and the rest of the ministry team, and we would love to get in touch with you. We would love to hear from you and to contact you and to encourage you to learn more about the God who created you, the God who loves you, and the God that can change your life forever. We'd love to hear from you. But right now... Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for Jesus' words reminding us that we, we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't be fearful of the world around us. Because you're a God of provision. You're a God who's, who's created everything that we need to have a fulfilled life. And Father, even at these uncertain times, we know that we have a truth that is so important and so relevant to the world around us. And so, Lord, we pray that you will help us to go out into the world prepared with confidence in our faith, 
we pray, Lord, you'll help us to have the, the desire to, to investigate areas of our faith that perhaps we've never really spent time looking into. Father, we pray that you'll help us to, to look at, at newspapers and, and news programs and see what's going on in the world and then ask ourselves, well, where's, where's, where is our faith relevant in this situation? And then to, to research it, to find out, to get ourselves to a point where we can, we can answer any questions that are asked so that we can go out with that confidence and that faith and that joy that Jesus demonstrated. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time this morning. And thank you for giving us your son. And that through him we have that invitation to join that royal priesthood, that holy nation. So that we can take your word, your message, go out into the world, identify and take every opportunity to bring people out of darkness and into that wonderful light. Lord, help us this week, we pray. Whatever situations we face, whatever challenges lie before us, whether it's loneliness or whether it's chaos, whether we're shut inside our own home or whether, whether we, we don't feel like we ever see our own front door, be with us, we pray. Now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.